Alex, what's going on, man? Welcome to the show. What's I appreciate up, you here. Luke? Nothing much, dude. Nothing much, dude. I uh, give your little intro. I'm gonna. Uh, I'll use that as a uh, a stepping stone for me to give your little intro afterwards. But uh, give the little brief kind of like this is me. This is what I do, and uh, we'll go from there. Yeah, man. So, um, did did the corporate thing for a long time. Um, studied this stuff in college, but. You know, it's funny. I, I started with just helping uh, my coworkers for free. Um, and I just found so much passion in it. And it was super fulfilling. So, yeah, I, I'm a personal trainer, Alex Engelman out of Austin. But uh, that that's kind of how I started. I was working with folks, uh, coworkers in the corporate life and a few friends. And then that's what led me to uh, making the leap right before the pandemic is how long I've been doing this. So um, it's been great so far, man. And I do in-person coaching here in Austin, uh, in-person training. And then I do a little bit of group programming stuff online and some uh, online stuff as well. So yeah, it's good. Oh yeah, dude, we have a very similar story in the sense that like I was, I was working with people for free doing my corporate job at some level and kind of just like, had this thing switch in my head of like, yeah, I, I could probably do this full time and just kind of carry this out instead of doing the job that I was doing, which was working in a dialysis clinic, working full time there. So that's funny. I feel like, like a lot of trainers, a lot of uh, nutrition coaches out there, they have some experience of working with people for free. And that's usually the impetus of like, oh, I could probably charge to do this and I can actually make a career out of this for myself. Uh, and I just find that that's more common than it is not for a lot of people in this space. So thanks for sharing that. I was just, uh, I was smiling because I had the same introduction to online coaching and, and just coaching people in general. Um, dude, I, I, I wanted to have you on the show because one, we became friends. We did the N1 practical not too long ago. Um, this, uh, I've talked about it plenty before my followers know what it's like, but, or know what it is, but it's this, uh, essentially this biomechanic course through coach Kasim and his team out in Colorado. It's just a really fun weekend, really good certification for all personal trainers. Something I'd recommend to everybody if they're interested in the hypertrophy world and resistance training and geeking out over that kind of stuff. But you and I met there, uh, there's always a bond that comes from training past failure with people in that setting. And you, Along with Jordan, my coach, you know, the mutual friend that we have, man, there's just a, there's just a bond that, that comes from lifting together, even if it's for a weekend, you know, let alone you have a workout partner. Um, so I, I had to get you on the show and I'm happy we're making this happen. Uh, but you're somebody who I, I admire because you kind of do a combination of in-person and online training, which I don't know about you, man, but I feel like the in-person trainer is becoming a little bit harder to come by now. Uh, I just, I, I know a lot of gyms. I know a lot of people who are exclusively online, myself included. And even in town, man, I have a couple people that I love to, to refer people to, but it's just, it's, I don't know about you, but I think COVID kind of made it not a dying profession, but it's just a little bit harder for people to like stick to that and stick to that only, you know? So I don't know if, if I'm not putting words in your mouth, but if you can speak to that, like, was there something that inspired you to do part online and keep in person, like just kind of Tell me maybe about the difference between the two and why you've chosen to kind of uh, keep both of those in your life. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you make a lot of good points. So, man, I feel like the in-person, the reason I went that route was to me, it was going to give me the most 
experience and seeing people on a bunch of different levels. Right. And so, and, and that's what it's done up to this point. So I've worked with people from all sorts of backgrounds, some with experience, some without, and it makes it to where you truly get to the point where it's like, it depends, right? <laughs> like that should be a solid answer for everyone. It depends. And so there's a lot of context and, you know, maybe for someone uh, truly understanding, like we, we always kind of give out a base foundation for certain exercises we do, we should do, but I don't know, maybe someone really has a hard time understanding a certain exercise and they can't really get a good feel for it. So I, I think from that standpoint, it gave me a really good perspective in the sense of understanding that this stuff, we, we can give, you know, a base foundation that people should follow, but truly everyone's going to be able to react a little different and be a little different. So that was my intention going into it. And I mean, truly up to this point, that's kind of what I've gotten out of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. And I think, uh, from a consumer standpoint, somebody who's looking for somebody to work with somebody to get into the gym. I love that you bring up the, it depends answer. Cause it's likely should be the same answer for everybody at some level. When you're working with somebody, you're meeting with somebody initially and deciding like, Hey, what's, what's going to be the best plan of action for you. But I find that a lot of people, when they start to, um, be a little bit more curious. They want to, to maybe get outside their comfort zone. They want to get into the gym. They want to start working out more. Maybe the modality that they've been doing hasn't gotten them the results that they're looking for. And then they have this conversation with themselves of like, okay, well, what should I do? What should I be doing? How should I be executing on that? And when it comes to like getting into a gym, especially from a female population, just, you know, historically, that's just not a place that at least in my experience, most females always feel super comfortable going into, especially alone, especially using equipment, picking up heavy shit, actually doing movements that are, you know, are going to be challenging their muscles, not doing only cardio, but a lot of times people have this conversation with themselves and it's like, man, uh, you know, I, I know I should go to the gym. I want to go into the gym. Maybe I have some experience in there, but I don't know if what I'm doing is correct, you know? And they have this conversation where it's like, okay, well, I'll hire somebody. Should I do the in-person thing or should I do an online thing? Cause there's a million online trainers, you know, if you're, you know, meeting with somebody for the first time and they're having this kind of like conversation within their head, like, what would you say are some things that you're thinking about of like, okay, this might be best for you. And these are the reasons why, or maybe talking about the pros and cons of, seeing an in-person personal trainer versus seeing somebody online and doing similar things, but maybe without that face-to-face contact every so often, you know? Yeah. So I think there's a lot of value if you can find someone uh, in person that's going to give you, just get you to a point where you are able to gain confidence going in, knowing, um, you have a few certain compound movements that you can easily follow uh, to where it's less intimidating. So as far as, you know, kind of walking through that with someone, there's a lot of factors in that, right? So it's great because I'm going to people's apartment gyms, which is nice because it's a little bit smaller. Not everyone lives at an apartment and has an apartment gym, right? So if we're talking like bigger gyms, commercial gyms, what is it that maybe it's like, I don't know, putting on a podcast, getting in the zone. It's 
once you get a little bit more comfortable with what your plan of action is versus going in and just kind of, I don't know, hopping from machine to machine and just really being intentional from that standpoint, I think that can provide a lot of confidence for someone um, as far as plan of action because it, it can get a little overwhelming, as you know. I mean, especially depending on the equipment they have. Um I mean, there's a new gym that just opened up here, like a bodybuilding style. And I went in and I was like, I don't know how to use half this shit. Like, <laughs> but it's humbling in a sense for me. But, um, you know, and at the end of the day, no one in there is truly like, oh, they don't know what they're doing or they look like they're uh, ju- judging you per se. Um, and I think. I just think if you have a concrete plan and have the confidence of knowing the movements in a sense of just getting a little bit more familiar with it and technique, um, that can go a long way. And so that's what I've seen uh, from folks that I've worked with um, in person. And uh, yeah, I think there's a lot of value in that. Yeah, agreed, dude. Agreed. And yeah, it's funny you bring that up because yeah, like, like we can go into gyms, even as people who do this for a living and who've always done this and still feel like, wow, I have no idea how to load this machine or what, 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 uh, what the purpose of some of these machines are. And like, you can only imagine how the consumer feels or how a client might feel or potential client might Mm -hmm. feel, especially getting into the gym. And that's kind of like where we're kind of talking around this idea is, is like, Hey, getting people into the gym and feeling comfortable being in there. Cause that's a really big barrier for a lot of people. And I find that like, when it comes to behavior change, when it comes to somebody like actually, uh, following through with the things they know they need to do to get to the outcome that they're looking for. A lot of times that doesn't, that doesn't come from you just doing it yourself, right? Like asking for help, seeking out a personal trainer, like being, even if it's for a short period of time to like, like you said, learn the, some of the basic movements, learn maybe some basic mm-hmm. strategies on how to get an effective workout and what you're going to be looking for. Um, all of those things are very, very important. And my question to you would be for even the listener, just like, when, when is it like, uh, when is it appropriate or, or when should somebody seek out asking for help, especially from a personal trainer, especially if they're going into a gym setting or even just navigating, uh, doing that through an online, right? Like somebody's doing an online program mm-hmm. or they're doing online one-on-one coaching and they don't have somebody in the gym. When would be, if in, again, I don't expect you to have the perfect answer. I have my idea of when this might be, but I'm just curious of like when that would be appropriate for somebody to actually follow through with that and take action. Cause that could be a very scary step for a lot of people on its own as well. Sure. Man, I think there's a lot of a lot of different variables that go into that. But um, if someone is completely new and really hasn't lifted before, I think that's pretty much a no brainer for them to at least. And, I, and I'm not talking like a. I'm not hating on. Uh, I don't want to hate on other trainers, of course, but maybe not like a big commercial gym because that could also kind of lead you to the wrong route based on what I've seen. Uh, I, I love all people that are trying to make an impact on people's health, but, um, you know, maybe like a boutique style gym, but 
I, you know, it just really comes down to if you have been confused by what to do for a really long time and don't really feel like you have made progress and you kind of have jumped around from maybe different group fitness classes or like there's a new hot trend on like, I don't know, there's always a new trend in the fitness space, of course. Um, Oh, you got to do calisthenics. Oh, you got to do this. Oh, you got to do yoga. You got to do whatever the case is. And just really understanding that, I mean, and you and I feel the same about this, building a base foundation and being intentional with building muscle at some point is going to be really important for a lot of us. Um, And so I I just think there is really no right, uh, you know, concrete answer I could give you, to be honest, man. Um, But if you're someone that's been confused for a long time, uh, I I think there's a lot of value in it. What what were your thoughts? Yeah, no, I was was nodding my head along the whole way. It's like, you're somebody that really doesn't know what you're doing, or maybe you think you know what you're doing, but there's that deep thought down inside you where you're just like, maybe, maybe this isn't what I should be doing, or maybe I don't actually know what, you know, moves I should be pairing with things or what equipment I should be utilizing or how frequently I should be doing them. Like in full transparency here, most people don't like, if we're being honest here, you know, like, (laughs) Like at some level, you and I are, we're still learning. We're still immersing ourselves into different courses and working with humans and, and trying to find things that find, help people fine tune their own health fitness. Yep. And to expect somebody to know that on their own is fucking psychotic. If we're being real, like most people don't know what that is like. And so having a coach, having somebody to just show you the ropes in the beginning, I think is, I think it's so important. And you made a really important point because Again, there's a lot of pretty shitty trainers out there as well, right? Like, again, not shitting on everybody, but understanding that like, hey, people are making a living. People have their own ideologies that they like to project onto everybody else. But adding this caveat of like, maybe a little trial and error, sure, but like not investing into the first person that you meet at Planet Fitness or or LA Fitness or Fitness Connection or 24 Hour. Like they're all these big box gyms that you refer to. They have a team of like usually kids sometimes like 18 to 22 year olds kind of ego lifters, like doing things for reasons that they think everybody should be doing that for. And they don't know how to handle, you know, Stacy who's sitting here at 42 had her third kid, you know, been five years removed from the gym and doesn't know really where to start in the beginning. Um, sometimes you could get a really good feel after a session or after a consultation with them, if that's going to be a person that you connect with. And it, it might take a trial and error of going through different uh, a couple different personal trainers, or you just interviewing different people, going to different gyms, um, and not making the first uh, leap of faith with the first person you meet. Because I've had that experience before, where I met somebody and it was very clear their intentions of like, hey, you know, they have their questionnaire, they have their intake form. Of course, they're going to ask you everything, but they have the same protocol, they have the same kind of routine that they run everybody through. And man, fitness is very individualized. You know, you and I are both from the N1 kind of philosophy at some level, like everybody should be treated as an individual because we are one. Um, So again, this is a long tangent, but man, finding somebody that will help meet you where you're at is really important. Yeah. And um, not, not like, Hey, uh, for whatever reason, this popped in my head, like starting with just crazy expectations and like, we're going to get ripped really soon. 
that that'd be a red flag to me if someone's like gonna say that right off the bat i don't know <laughs> that's how i feel about it like and you know unfortunately that's probably pretty common especially like in our uh bigger commercial gyms but yeah you know you don't want to walk in and they're like oh we're gonna work on balance and we're doing bosu ball squats single leg with like a dumbbell over our head probably probably not the best idea so you know, it's hard for people to see that. And I realize that, but, uh, you know, like you said, a little trial on there may be the best way to go about it. Yeah, absolutely. And that's kind of usually the evolution that most people go through with their fitness as it is in general, right? Like very rarely do I see somebody find something at a young age and stick with that thing forever. And it does happen, but like, Usually you sprinkle in other exercise modalities, you uh, try different things, you realize that, hey, in, in order to be a good runner, like I should also be lifting and doing uh, loading and di different movements and working on mm -hmm. mechanics, everything that will complement me as a runner as well. Like just doing running, sure, it can get you so far, but maybe you're leaving progress on the table and you understand that. So it's like working with somebody who has a decent idea of like what we should be doing to complement that could be great instead of you having a running coach and then you having only a bodybuilding coach and you expecting those things just to mix perfectly well. Again, we have to appreciate like, what do we want? Who, uh, what are the results that we're looking after? Cause everybody's going to have a different def definition of that. And then honestly, just being open and honest with the people that you're talking to the coaches that you're looking at investing with. And, and usually the people who are understanding of that, who can meet you where you're at, like, you talked about red flags. Like there's a lot of different red flags out there that like you can pick up on and you can kind of get like an icky feeling inside. Like we all kind of yeah. know that, that conversation and leaving a discussion with somebody where it's like, yeah, fuck that motherfucker. He has no idea what I actually want. And I get look elsewhere for it, you know? So, um, it's very complicated, but it, it also doesn't have to be, you know, and it doesn't yep. have to be super, um, thought out because it's the thought of that all alone. As I say this out loud, that keeps people from even trying in the first place. And I just want yep. to acknowledge that that exists and not everybody has this perfect experience all the time. So having that expectation from the beginning is, is okay, but knowing that you're still getting something out of it and that's still going to be what it takes to get you to where you want to be um, at the end of the day too. No, I think that's really, really good point, man. Um, yeah. It, it, you know, someone's just only speaking in absolutes and using a lot of conviction, you know, that's a big red flag for me. And I'd probably try and stay away from that, but it's, it can be difficult for some people to identify that. So there's a lot of ways to go about it, but at the end of the day, um, just finding someone that makes you feel comfortable, I think is a big, really important aspect. Um, you don't want to feel, and you're going to feel a little discomfort, especially if you're new, but if they're able to get you to where you get to a point, you know, maybe after one week and then a month and you're starting to feel more comfortable, really important, really important to make a significant impact long-term. Amazing. Yeah. Which kind of brings up this next uh, topic that I want to discuss. Something I think you do a really good job of uh, explaining on social media and your Instagram is, uh, this idea of like the timeline of somebody who's getting into weightlifting or resistance training and starting to get into the gym more, um, again, not to put words in your mouth, but this like beginner ear intermediate advance, maybe just talk about, you know, somebody's like, okay, I found a trainer. I liked went through the, uh, criteria, uh, process. And I, I jive with this guy or girl, 
Uh, they can get me to where I want to be, or it's complementary to the other things that I'm doing. Um, I'm doing things that I feel more comfortable with. I'm feeling more confident in, I'm progressing, like things are going well. Um, what is the timeline that you would say uh, is very common? Again, we, we can only make generalizations here. We can't speak to individuals in particular, because we all have different starting points, different endpoints, different um, processes, and, and what it will look like for us going through this whole like fitness type of um, you know, investment that we make into ourselves. But what is like a kind of a common timeline that you see, at least with your clients from like beginning to a point where maybe they don't need you, or maybe they're finally at a place where they're doing the online or they're only doing a every few month check-in and you're, or maybe you're just giving them programs kind of thing. Like talk me through, like, what are things that we're going to be looking for throughout the way? So you can kind of continue to, I guess, level up in your training and continue to get more results out of the things that you're doing in there. Yeah, for sure. So I guess from the beginning, just want to set the expectations of let's, let's just understand a few basic movement patterns. Okay. And so for different people, this, this can take a little bit to really truly understand the concept. And I don't think we want to get, we definitely don't want to get to a place where everything's perfect technique. Because you and I could do an RDL and it may look way different, but we're still, it's just as effective. And so I think a, a lot of people can get caught up in that, but understanding the movement pattern and how it applies to you and your bone structure and your specific biomechanics, right? Like, I feel like too many people kind of can get really caught up in perfecting techniques. So I, I don't want someone to get the idea that that's the case, but just understanding the movement pattern, a hinge, presses, overhead presses, horizontal, um, different pull patterns, and just real basic stuff and kind of taking it from there. So I, I would say that would be one aspect. And then another just, uh, so for starting that with that for a beginner, um, and then you know, not even really focusing on like true intensity at that point. Um, I don't, I don't know if there's necessarily like a true timeline for this. Right. But I'm talking about someone that's like really brand new to this. Cause I, I've had, um, super grateful for this, but I've had experience with people of all different ages and backgrounds and some completely new to lifting. And it sometimes that can take some time to understand that. Um, and then, you know, maybe you add a little bit of load to that and um, just understanding that once we have a grasp for the movement patterns, then maybe we can kind of start to discuss like intensity and stuff like that. But I, I just think that's really important for uh, for someone that's new in the beginning. Um, and really just the idea of like what lifting is. It's not running around and trying to be as exhausted as possible in that 30 minutes to an hour or whatever the case is. It's more being intense in those movements during that, you know, minute and a half, whatever the set is, and then taking a little bit of rest and just kind of understanding the overall idea of that. Um, so kind of preaching that I think is a big big opportunity too and just getting a feel for what resistance training is you know a lot of people 
really, you know, aren't familiar and don't have an idea. So I think that can be super important and critical for someone and setting them up for like long-term impact. Yeah, dude. Well said, well said. And yeah, I think, uh, this, uh, blanket concept of like, Oh, you're a beginner. I think it can come or, uh, apply to a lot of different people throughout their own journey as well. You know, you might have somebody who's been lifting again on their own, doing things relatively well, um, but wants to level up their training and then they start working with a trainer and you see some of these like newbie gains continue to happen because again, maybe exercise selection changes. Maybe, um, they weren't actually taking into account tempo and, and doing different, uh, intensity, different techniques. Maybe they were working their ass off in different exercise modalities, but they weren't actually doing the exercises that it's going to take to help them grow bigger glutes or to tone their arms up or what insert, whatever goal vanity or, or mm-hmm. it's driven goal as well too. Um, so like understanding like why we're doing what we're doing, I think I couldn't agree more is really part of this process of like, once you kind of have this idea of like, Hey, this, this is the reason I'm doing X, Y, and Z, or this is why this is important, regardless of if I feel like doing this or not. Right. Or if the other type of workout or thing I was doing before maybe was more enjoyable. I've gotten used to that. And I think that that's a good workout. You know, you might kind of uh, get mind fucked when, Hey, maybe you have this whole different approach to what it's going to take to get to where you want to be. So I think this conversation from day one of like, and again, we can get too deep into the weeds and a lot of people don't need to know the different nuances and, you know, femur to you know tibia ratio <laughs> yeah. and uh, yeah. understanding like exactly why we're doing everything the way we are, at least in the beginning. But I feel like that buy-in could sometimes um, happen a lot quicker if you have somebody um, on the same page as you as, as why we're doing these things, even though they might not be the most sexy, they might not be uh, the most uh, exciting things that you were doing, or maybe have been seeing. These are still the fundamentals, the basics that if we want to continue to get to where we want to go, we kind of need to have these downs tempo understanding um, uh, like you mentioned, getting to an intensity where you're actually training hard. That's usually in that intermediate phase where after the beginner, like you're learning equipment, you're getting dumbbells in your hands, you're learning how to use an extension machine. Maybe you're getting into a Smith machine or using the barbell for certain things, right? Like you're getting familiar with everything. And then once you kind of have that down, you understand why you should and why you need to be doing some of these other different things. That's when that progression can continue to happen. But man, there's an evolution for everybody out there, whether you're brand new to lifting, you've never been in there, or you're somebody that's done a decent job doing things for yourself and you go into the gym and you're doing that consistently. Like there's still a lot to be learned in that first initial phase, especially if you're working with somebody who knows what they're talking about and has your best interest at, at heart too, you know? Yeah, no, you, you make a lot of good points and it, exactly what you were saying. So like, once you get a good feel of that and kind of have a base knowledge of some of those things, okay, let's start to understand intensity and maybe pushing it a little bit and dude i I mean you saw it and one i was calibrating my own intensity like that that was some hard training and so it's always getting a feel for intensity can also take some time i'm not trying to make it intimidating or like that it's like something that's super complex because it's truly not but not sacrificing those foundation movement patterns that you learn and not sacrificing other things and just truly getting a feel for, okay, what weight am I going to use to where when I had three in the tank and I'm feeling like I only had three left versus 
um, just, you know, getting into a, I just, I, what I've gained a lot from in-person stuff is that we are so fixated on kind of chasing feeling super accomplished and exhausted and that can kind of take away from training intensity right um and so it, we just really want to build a yes uh an idea of what that is versus um you know going into the gym it doesn't have to be we're constantly moving and you know, sweating and heart rate and looking at my watch for calories burned and all this stuff. Like I'm going to be intentional with this movement at this set um, and give it my all. And, and that can kind of be the next step in progression in my, in my thoughts. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It just kind of circles back to this point of like, we have to have the basics. We have to have the technique down because once you start to train hard and you train hard in those different movements and positions, like you will have a feel for when you're, you know, uh, when your technique drops off or when you've reached like technical yep. failure, you know, and, uh, this whole like world of ego lifting that we've kind of found ourselves in, um, you know, not to say that I haven't been there at one point as well, sure. uh, but this like constant pursuit to just like add more to the bar to add, just kind of feed your ego of like how much you're lifting, how much you're able to do. Um, that could be a dangerous place for some people. And in, in our world, at least kind of my philosophy is like, how can we make the lightest load as hard as possible? And there's a lot of ways to do that, but it comes from you understanding the form and the technique and the yep. structure of why we're doing what we're doing week to week. And my, maybe why we aren't changing things up as frequently as what you've done in the past. Cause once you start to get into this world of like, okay, I have the form down now let's really challenge this. Now let's see how much we can continue to add on this bar with maintaining that proper form. And you can get humbled pretty quickly because um, sometimes people have the form down, they're doing all the things right, but maybe they're still five to 10 reps in reserve for some people, right? Uh, maybe they've yep. never actually trained a true uh, zero RIR, one IR or nine RPE, like however you want to, um, you know, uh, yep. add that to your programming. But I laugh because I think of even an example this last weekend, my wife, who I've been doing her programming for a couple of years now. Um great job of forum. She sends me forum videos. I'll go into the gym with her, but um, we very rarely train with one another. She trains at a different gym than mine. Long story short, we were traveling and she had day three of her program. And we kind of made some modifications just with the gym equipment that we had available. And it, it wasn't until she told me this afterwards, um, that, yeah, because we adjusted some of the weights and what she was doing. We worked on form even a little bit more not to be perfectionist here, but yeah, like there's a reason why we do what we do. And if we can set you up and if you're with somebody like, we're going to talk about the nuances of some of this stuff in the moment. Um, but her takeaway from it, cause we were doing like, God forbid, you know, uh, front foot elevated reverse lunges with a half rep in the, in the middle, Ooh. uh, also did, uh, some B stance RDLs in replace of normal RDLs. So we was going to have a barbell. We did some like kind of cast leg extension, uh, uh, sets or a set and same hand curls and some other, uh, like myo rep with chest press. Like it was, it was a fun workout, but at the end she was like, yeah, I, I've kind of been dogging it at the gym, you know? And then there's just something to be said when you have somebody mm -hmm. with you or you have an extra set of eyes or somebody saying like, no, you have four more set, four more reps in you. I know you do. And they get that. It's like, 
then you start to appreciate that like, Hey, form, everything has been good. But the thing now holding me back is like how hard I'm training. Right. And there's a, there's strategy that goes into that. We're not telling you to go to failure every set every day, but understanding like how you progress across a mega mesocycle, understanding like, Hey, what it actually feels like to be at one RIR, their two RIR is very different than what a lot of people might uh, be doing on their own. So long story short, I think that's where having a trainer, somebody like Alex, who's coming to your apartment gym is really beneficial because they can kind of check you and they can check your ego at the door. And you can ask my wife, she was doing 35s at her gym. We went down to 25s and we did form a little bit differently, a little more bend at the torso, went a little bit more depth, uh, for range of motion purposes. And, and before you know it, she was trashed, you know, a few reps earlier and, and that's what we wanted, but it's not this like, Oh, you weren't doing it right, but like we could be doing things a little bit better. And that's what we're after here. Then that's when you get to this intermediate advanced stage of your training career, where there's a lot of progress to be made once you have those knobs kind of in check too, you know? Those mini adjustments add up over time, man. Those mini adjustments like that. And like you said, you don't want to try and get this idea of it always having to be perfect. But if you have that basis down and just truly understanding intensity, and I, I think that varies from person to person. And there's some people that I work with where we're not really going to one uh, left in the tank or we're not pushing it to like full, full intensity. So I think there's a lot of variables in that, right? But high intensity and understanding the technique is going to look different from person to person. But I think that there's just a lot of value in kind of getting an understanding how that applies to you. Yeah, exactly. And it's, uh, yeah, it's something that as we sit here and talk about it, where if you're sitting here listening to this podcast and you're like, Oh, I'm not, I'm not there yet. Or maybe I haven't thought about this in this way. It's like, that's okay. You know, that's part of this whole evolution, yep. what it means to like become uh, an intermediate lifter and eventually an advanced lifter. And uh, we all go through these periods of our life where we're learning about this stuff. And that's part of the natural progression that we see and that we take clients through. So I love that you said that like, yeah, we're, we're not talking about that probably for the first few months sometimes with some people <laughs> when I'm training with them sure. days a week, because we're just trying to get this fucking hinge movement down well. And we're trying yep. to maybe get their, their split squats up to par before we add a little bit more load, or maybe we figure out how to use the cable machine and, and line it up in a way that favors their biomechanics more so than another client. So again, there's this like exploratory phase that is really important that can't be missed. But I see a lot of times people just overlook that for the perfection, right? The, um, the people in the space that are lifting really heavy that look really good that are doing a lot of these things that you think you should be doing but you actually maybe haven't done the work to get to uh the the place where you're thinking about some of those things and that's okay but it's cool to know that that's available to you in the future if you want that to be right like some people don't need to get to that mm -hmm. place where they're reaping all the benefits that it comes that come from resistance training but again it's just sometimes knowing why we're doing what we're doing executing them well and then being able to continue to show up and add things to your routine, man, you will be unrecognizable to yourself and, you know, even to other people, not speaking only of vanity driven purpose reasons right now, um, within a matter of three months, six months, a year. And that's a really cool part about lifting that and independent of what it makes you look like, it does a lot of things for you mentally, emotionally, also physically. So yeah, I can't emphasize that enough. And, and it's just... <sighs> It can go a long way, just a few simple movement patterns. 
that and I so I don't want people to feel like it's like this super complicated formula. It, it can go a long way just you learning a few different patterns, um, different types of squats, and you know if you're starting and there's a lot of discomfort, like easing into range of motion and then slowly introducing loads. So I, I don't want people to feel like it's this overly complicated thing but taking where you're at and what you've done in the past and just kind of understanding how you can slowly progress. And then once you get into a groove, you know, you start to add the intensity stuff and really getting after it. And then after that, you go to stuff like N1 and you're learning lengthen versus shorten and like people, you know, that's great for us to know and how it can apply to certain people. You know, we're talking like five to ten percent, not ninety percent of what people really need to focus on, right? Um, so it, that's that's just kind of my thoughts there, because truly, this stuff can become pretty complicated if you want it to, but it doesn't need to be, and yeah. that doesn't apply for a lot of the people that you and I are working with. Um, and I think sometimes we can kind of get away from that message uh, as coaches in general, and that can kind of create a lot of fear and anxiety around getting started when at the end of the day it's it's a lot more simple than that yeah agreed dude agreed yeah you can kind of like lose people at some level if you get too caught in the weeds with a lot of this stuff but also helping people understand that like hey if that is something that you're curious about and you want to do and and that you find a good trainer that knows a lot about those things man, that could be a really positive experience on its own too, of like learning about, like you said, lengthened and shortened work and how and when you should be doing those things and challenging different parts of the resistance profile and all words and jargon that we can talk about here, but is likely irrelevant to the average person that we're starting to work with and something that we could graduate to and get to at one point for sure. But, um, usually the stuff that people see maybe in the space or hear trainers talking about, and they think that that's the thing that they need to be focusing on, or they think that that's where they need to be to see all these results. When fuck in reality, you could do push pull legs for your whole life or for a year. And you could be, you know, again, I say the word un unrecognizable. That's what a client of mine said. I love that word. Um, but just being able to like actually reap the benefits of everything that you're doing. It's, uh, the bar is a lot lower than what people might perceive it to be. So yeah, I bring that up and I want to, um, if you have any Finishing comments on that. Great. I feel like we beat that horse, um, fairly well, but I kind of want to compliment the, uh, the food tracking side of things here for a second and, and appreciate how, Hey, when we work with the trainer, we're tracking workouts, maybe at some level, or we're tracking how much weight we're doing or how many reps we're doing. Uh, maybe you're tracking how many steps you're getting throughout the course of the day. Like sleep analytics are huge. Now, like there's so many pieces of data that people are tracking. One of the more important ones, again, I'm biased and this isn't for everybody, you know, but there's a lot of context where I think that working with a coach or working with somebody else or doing um, food tracking under the right mindset or with the right intentions can be a really enlightening experience for, for a lot of people. Again, uh, it kind of sounds like an oxymoron of using food tracking to create sustainable patterns, right? Usually there's this thought that like that fucks up your relationship with food or it destroys like your perception of, you know, what it means to be healthy and eating the numbers and all these things that people, again, I, I want to validate, have that experience. 
usually done not in great head spaces, usually out of the form of restriction, usually done on their own and maybe not with a coach who has a maybe a, a different perspective or a level of neutrality that comes along with that. Um, this is a long way of transitioning into this type of uh, question of like, we track a lot of things. Is food tracking something that you think could help people? If so, what are things that you want to look for? Th things that you help people understand, things that you want people to get from so that inevitably when food tracking is removed, they have some of these fundamentals and, and, and skills in place, kind of like the lifting, right? These fundamentals that we need right. in place to be successful. What are some of those things that you can kind of see um, being really helpful for people if maybe they've never explored that or they've done that, but haven't had a good experience with that? It's a long question, but take with what you want from that. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. I also might be a little biased. Um, I, I just think there's so many people that have been introduced to it incorrectly, right? And so that can create I think that's where it kind of has created this like fear around it and, you know, tracking. I don't want to really go too much into this, but like, like you said, bad relationships with food and not truly understanding it. There is just incredible value in getting to a mindful, uh, being mindful and at peace right? It's not something that you're doing just to, you know, strictly lose weight or whatever the case is. If you're uh, intentional with tracking for a little bit and truly understanding how much energy you need for you want to stay at your weight or gain weight or lose weight, that's going to lead to the most understanding long-term of how we can build a dietary pattern that works for us and, and long-term understand, okay, uh, so I don't necessarily have to get to a point where, you know, like, let's say someone's um, done something restrictive or yo-yo in the past, it, it can just clear and wipe all that and you're just at peace with the decisions you're making on a daily basis. And not always having to think about what I need to do to uh, lose a certain amount of weight, whatever the case is, right? Whatever the goal is, I just think there's so much value in mindfully tracking and working with someone to, to get to that point to understand that. And and like like you said, just have a healthy relationship with food and nothing's good and bad and ingredient obsessive and whatever the case is there's a lot of nuance in this that i'm probably missing but um yeah that's just kind of my thoughts man it, there's just so much misunderstanding around the topic but if you work with someone that really gives you a good idea of what the idea of tracking is that is going to lead to the ultimate long-term sustainability um for for building habits you know yeah, dude. Agreed. Yeah. I think, I think there's so much to be learned again, when working with somebody, when working by yourself too, like there's a lot of groups out there. There's a lot of uh, maybe different resources that you could utilize that can help you build a greater appreciation for what it means to track food. We're kind of talking about tracking food independently right now. Um, but we have to remember too, that there's a, there's a spectrum of food tracking, right? And maybe, maybe you've tracked food in the past. Maybe you haven't done it 
to a fuller extent or a lesser extent that might be more beneficial for you, right? Um, when I say there's a spectrum, right? There's like not tracking to fuck tracking every single gram and macro and weighing everything and and putting, you know, ingredients back because you went one gram over on your cereal for the day. <laughs> like like there's that level of meticul- uh, meticulous tracking for most people. Yep. Probably not what everybody needs to do. D- don't get me wrong. Um, but I think there's a lot of good that can come from, Hey, maybe you weigh out your food for a period of time. Maybe what you thought was four grams of protein is only two and a half. Right. And there's a lesson to be learned. There's like, Oh shit, I'm actually under eating protein. Maybe I have no idea how many grams of fiber I'm eating a day and how much, you know, a half a cup of raspberries can give or how much I'm getting to. Maybe you're sitting here and you're like, Oh shit, I don't know what 25, 30 grams of fiber looks like, like maybe I track that and I'm just tracking how much, uh, what the plants I'm eating, uh, measuring those out and seeing like, okay, this is an idea of how much fruit, how much vegetables, maybe how much comp- complex carbohydrates I can eat in a day to give myself a rust- rough estimation in the future of like, am I hitting this consistently? Um, same thing with calories. You alluded to energy balance, man. Like there's just something to be said about somebody who starts tracking and realizes that the alcohol, the weekends that they have, they're eating four to 5,000 calories. Like it's not uncommon for that to happen. Even ladies, right? You might be sitting here eating three, 4,000 calories, drinking 4,000 calories on the weekend without even knowing it. And what you think you're doing throughout the week that you think might be good enough actually is getting weighed down by the other stuff that maybe you're not aware of, or maybe you're under-reporting. So using it as a tool that is going to build awareness instead of using it as something that's going to make you feel guilty is the big difference here that not a lot of people go into food tracking with that mindset. And that's where a lot of these like negative side effects or consequences can happen, especially done in a negative headspace or done on your own with somebody not maybe helping you appreciate what else you might be looking for. Um, it could go as far as like, Hey, when I track, what does my plate composition look like? Like what, what ratio do I have protein carbs to, to fiber on this plate? Or am I having a fruit source? Right. Or, um, you know, taking photos and like, am I eating at routine times throughout the course of the day? What is, what is the thing that I'm leaning on when I'm building a plate? Excuse me. There's just a lot of things and a big spectrum when it comes to tracking food, it doesn't have to be tracking every macro every day. And I know you probably, you don't have that philosophy. I don't either. But um, yep. just understanding that like, hey, there's a lot to be learned here. And that's kind of what we're getting at here. It's not a forever thing. And when done when the right intentions, like you can make it sustainable long-term because you actually have a greater appreciation for what you're doing, what you haven't been doing. And then you can decide if those trade-offs are worth it to you. Like, hey, me being 10 pounds less, is that worth having 200 less calories a day and not having as much of a social life on the weekend? That might be the thing that's like, fuck, no, that's not. And that's okay. You know, and you appreciating that, Hey, I'm making this trade-off now, this thing that I think I want, I don't want anymore because it's not something that's actually worth it to me. And then you have this kind of domino effect where your quality of life improves because of it. Okay. So yeah, sorry for that rant there, but it's, uh, no, it's needed, man. It's needed. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> I mean, I'll do in, I'll do a uh, grocery store runs with some in-person folks and it's so funny. Like, it, it people just have such a misperception of like what tracking even means it doesn't mean that it necessarily has to be everything whole foods or whole foods like obviously we want to base a, a lot of it around that but when i go with someone and it, it may be the first time it's like 
<laughs> Dude, we can get some other stuff. It doesn't have to be like everything is chicken breasts and like <laughs> rice and veggies. We can get some stuff that you also like. And, and so, you know, we could talk about this obviously for a really long time, but just try to keep it simple. Um, a lot of value in understanding your energy needs, but for everyone that can look a little different and uh, can take some pretty intense coaching or it can if someone's doing it solo just uh i feel like a lot of people go into it with the wrong mindset so um you know there's a lot of value in it and i hope that uh people get to a point where they build a dietary pattern that makes sense for them yeah yeah well said exactly (laughs) Yeah, there's a lot of nuances. Again, we could we could have made a two hour long podcast on tracking alone, but I just I want to get I just want to get it the message out there that like tracking does not it's not inherently a negative uh, experience for everybody, and more often than not, uh, again, like through my my coaching process, like, Hey, usually there's some exposure and some, uh, um, accountability and some awareness that comes from tracking food, but getting to the point where you're removing it, you're learning how to handle social situations, right? You're learning how to travel and not be super, you know, um, um, neurotic around everything that you're doing, right? Like learning how to use tracking as a tool. It's, it's not a destination. It's a means to get to where you want to be. And that could look like a month for somebody. It could look like two years for other people, right? And again, there's extremes. There's so many different um, things that we need to to put into context of what might be appropriate for you. But I think the general thing we're trying to get at here is like, let's make it neutral because it is, and let's use it to get something out of that exactly. we, can, we can implement into our life going forward without that you know, uh, reassurance or that piece of data that we're constantly tracking and be able to make this shit last a lot longer instead of doing something temporarily only to go back to doing things we were doing beforehand. Yeah, man. No, uh, I love what you just said. I mean, I couldn't agree more. Uh, And just the negative perception that gets put on it. um, It's not the case. Like you said, it's neutral. And depending on your previous experiences, it very well could not be, but for a lot of people, it, it can make a significant impact long-term. So. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, um, we're coming up on an hour here. I want to be respectful of your time. I have, I think another question I'd love to talk to if you have, a, you know, another 10 minutes, um, you're not in, I love for it. Sure. We're going to kind of bounce around a second. Um, I, I maybe want to have some, some closing state statements around how to celebrate small victories, what to look for. Um, but there's something that's been coming up on my Q and a a lot recently, something that I find myself talking to uh, clients about other people about, and it's this concept of muscle soreness. We probably could have talked about this when it came to weightlifting and, you know, going through your different phases, but in general, people have this perception that soreness is a good proxy for how good their workout was. And if they're not sore, then they didn't work out hard enough and therefore things, you know, aren't working or whatever the case may be. Um, do you get this question a lot? Is this something that you see when you're talking with people initially, like chasing soreness compared to other things when it comes to working out? And if somebody's sitting here like, oh, I wasn't sore, that wasn't you know, I wasn't good or fuck, I'm overly sore. I feel terrible. I can't even like sit down on the toilet. Like, uh, what should we do today? Kind of thing. Like, like, where does your mind go when you talk about muscle soreness and a point that you want to get across to most people? Um, and, and kind of how do you approach that with people? Cause everybody has a different perception of what that means too. 
Yeah, for sure. Um, so as far as kind of the idea around soreness, I would say that soreness, if, if we're never sore, we're probably not training hard enough, right? Once we kind of get a full idea of it. But soreness could be a result of what you're doing versus the idea of that you need to be sore. And so you're going after to where um, it, you really feel the burn and like all, all these other things, right? Because, I mean, if you're introducing a new movement and changing your exercises often, yeah, you'll probably be really sore afterwards. Like, shit, man, even if I, uh, unfortunately, not golfing as much as I would like, but if I were to go golf right now and really get after it, my back may be feeling it the next day a little bit. <laughs> and so, like, does that mean that I built muscle there? I, probably not, right? So I just don't want people to get this misinterpretation that you always need to be sore. Because, well, A, that could be a result of, like, lack of sleep or not eating enough. Uh, a lot of things go into that. But you just want to get to a place where, yeah, if I'm feeling, like, a little bit sore and then, you know, maybe I – progressed from my previous workout and i'm feeling it the next day like okay that's a good thing but if you're always constantly sore there's something that's not that we're we're kind of missing right and so i don't know I, I i just feel like soreness doesn't always equal uh like long-term success so this idea that we always have to be constantly sore it doesn't mean that it is like the best workout ever but i feel like also we kind of got away from I, I just don't want people to to leave this thinking like it's bad to also be sore right because <laughs> we do want a little bit of soreness but this idea of that we're chasing it during the workout and like it, it goes back to what i was kind of saying at the beginning man like when you uh, build a foundation of like a strength training program, you don't have to always be at the end of it. It's the it was the best workout before my previous workout, right? Like some days are going to be better than others, um, and maybe you're not doing your best that day, and you know, or it's just so many people think that every workout has to be better than the previous, and that's just not the case it's just not practical or the reality of it um you can take away things from the previous workout and you know bring it to the next one and make minor adjustments but this idea that you just have to feel super accomplished in the sense of like tired and drenched in sweat it's just not it's not the case here so i just don't want people to always feel like they need to be doing that um at the end of the day yep Thank you for that. Yeah. It's, uh, this like debilitating soreness that you can feel after a training session or, uh, orange theory class or something like, man, maybe that might happen once as you're starting to get into something new, but like, that's not what we're after every time. And it's probably no bueno. And, in a uh, uh, a reason why we should maybe address certain things with your training or look elsewhere. You said sleep, uh, you said getting enough calories, eating enough protein, yep. Am I taking enough rest days? All things that can factor into soreness and, and how you feel day to day after you get your training sessions. And um, the one thing I want 
people to remember is that soreness will likely go down a little bit as you get stronger, yep. as you get into these movement patterns, as you start doing things differently. Like you said, you go in golfing right now and you haven't done it in four months. You're going to be sore as shit. I played basketball last night for a great, and I could barely walk last night. And then this morning I (laughs) felt like I got hit by a truck, but I know the next time I go play next week, it's not going to feel like that, or maybe it will, but it will be a little bit less because my body is adapting to that. But your body is very adaptable. Um, and you acknowledging the fact that like, Hey, Maybe in my workouts, the motivating factor is me feeling sore. And that's what's taking you away from repeating things or getting stronger in certain movement patterns. Um, Again, focusing on the big rocks, that's going to get you the results that you're after. And you're constantly chasing this sensation, right? Or this feeling after a workout, man, there's a good chance that that's the thing that's actually keeping you from the results that you're after too. So I agree with you. Soreness is something that's going to be there. It's going to be a conversation, but it's not the only thing that dictates whether or not we had a good workout. And thank you for summing, summarizing that up well, because I think, uh, I just want people to remember that it's not what we're chasing, but if it's never there, that's also a sign that maybe we need to do things differently or harder or, or better, you know? No, that's exactly right, man. Yeah. It, I, I just, <laughs> that's so funny you talked about basketball too. I mean, I grew up playing and I don't know the last time I played, I was also feeling it, but our body's not adapted to it. So like you said, like, say uh, your program and you're like, I don't know, four to six weeks into doing the same thing, like the soreness is going to slowly reduce, but if it's not there at all, okay, maybe we need to push the intensity a little bit. And then depending where you are at and how new you are, you start something new. Okay, that first workout, you're doing new movements, you may feel it the first time, and then it kind of slowly reduces, but we still kind of want it there, you know, but not as much. Um, and as we're, our bodies get used to the patterns and we're making the adaptations, then that's kind of how that will follow on that timeline. Yeah, exactly. Which brings us to this last point that I want to touch on real quick, which is appreciating small victories. And that looks different for everybody, obviously, but Speaking on the muscle soreness thing, like if you're somebody that's always chased that sensation of always measured your workouts based on how sore you are, and you get to the point now where maybe that's something you acknowledge, but you're not holding so much weight on, like to me, that's a form of progression that we need to celebrate a a different change in thought patterns or, uh, your approach to when it comes to lifting or, or getting into the gym and what you deem as a good workout something that people would often overlook, but shit that we celebrate daily as coaches and, and stuff that we acknowledge that, you know, it's our job at some level to help people look in different directions that maybe they can't see for themselves, but just appreciating the fact that like, Hey, like you used to think this way. Now you're thinking this way. That's progression, even though you might not weigh differently or you might not lift more or whatever the case may be. Um, but same thing with tracking, same thing with everything we've talked about, you getting into the gym the first time and, and starting to be more comfortable there and doing things on your own, man. There's so many forms of like small wins and victories that we can get along the way. I'm curious if that's something that you acknowledge that you talk to your clients about these small victories um, in pursuit of other big outcome goals that maybe the, that is important to the client. Um but why it's so important to highlight that shit as it comes and identify the things that have been changing along the way. Big, big, big fan of small victories. <laughs> I can't get enough of them, honestly, man. Um, yeah. So, and I think this kind of starts with given where you're at, setting realistic expectations. 
And so once we kind of get a true feeling for that, nothing to go, not nothing, but these small victories can't, they, they add up over time and they'll give you more confidence. They'll give you more um, feeling of like, just almost that piece with the progress you're making. So I'll, I'll just use an example real quick. Like I'm, I'm working with a um, client right now who's a older uh, 60 plus female and dude, six weeks into this and she just has significant less overall discomfort and knee pain. These are huge small wins that we need to acknowledge. And like, you can kind of see when that starts to sit with someone and then they're going to kind of get that motivation. So motivation. And that's why I like to celebrate these small things because it will gain a lot of momentum over time. Um, and, and like I said, it just starts with setting realistic expectations from where you're at. Yep. Absolutely, man. Yeah. I mean, I don't know who said it, but we all say it it's just, uh, it, it's the process that's more rewarding than the actual outcome goal. Cause every time you hit that next goal, that next thing that you're working towards, man, there's just that next thing that you're going to be thinking about. And unless you truly enjoy the the small victories along the way, the steps that you've made to progress, man, nothing is ever actually going to be good enough. And I hate to say it, but it's so true, especially with, a uh, uh, physique pursuits that people might have weight yeah. loss goals. Um, strength goals, if they're powerlifting or CrossFitters or performance yep. athletes or endurance athletes, or fuck your 60 year old clients who just want to get off the toilet when they're 80 years old and do it without yep. any pain, you know? So play with the grandkids and all these up. other sort of things. Yep. So it's, uh, it's acknowledging that, man, if you can't actually acknowledge that, like nothing will ever be fucking good enough. And deep down, you know that that's true because it's probably played out in your life at some point. At least it has for myself. I know it probably has for you. And it's, uh, it's yeah, just falling in love with the small things, the small progressions that maybe weren't part of your life, like building yourself up to this new baseline of living that you feel good at and not accepting anything less than that, man. To me, there's a lot of inputs that go into it, but man. When, when you get stronger, you're adding more weight, you know, you're noticing physique changes started to happen. You have better energy, you have better digestion, you're sleeping better. You know, you have better relationship with food, like your body, how you talk to yourself, man. Like those are the things that can often go unnoticed that are the sole reason, in my opinion, of why we do this shit in the first place and what, what the actual yep. outcome goal should be at the end of the day. So, yeah. Yeah, no, for sure, man. Um, can't, can't get enough of just people. Uh, I want people to realize that, you know, especially with social media these days, it, it can really get our expectations out of whack. And everyone's got different things they're dealing with in their personal life. And so just um, celebrating those small wins along the way. And that could be as something as simple as, hey, I'm going to walk before and after dinner. Or it could be, for another person, I'm going to run this half marathon, but not getting caught up in what it is for one person versus yourself. So um, sticking to the process and doing what's best for you and just acknowledging that along the way. Amen, man. Amen. Thank you so much for all your time today. Tell the people where they can find you at. I'll link everything in the show notes as well, but uh, Instagram, whatever else you got. Yeah. Um, so Instagram, AE underscore nutrition and fitness. Um, <laughs> really, that's it at the moment, man. Nice. With my in-person, got a group program too. Not, 
I know you do. Yeah, group programming. Dr. Chavez, um, yeah. Yep, yep. So uh, we're going to start up something soon for, uh, I think we're going to do a dad's program. We've done a lot of different programs over the time, and it's it's really good stuff if you're looking for something where, I mean, I if you haven't checked out Adrian Chavez's Instagram, I would highly suggest it. Um, but that's someone that I've worked with. He's not only a great mentor, but we've uh, done business together. And he's just a fantastic person and really gives super valuable information in this space. Um, so, yeah. Um, and you can find that link in my profile as well. Um, and, dude, I can't thank you enough for having me on. Honestly, this was great stuff. I think it was an awesome conversation. And, uh Yeah. Love it, dude. Talk soon, man. Thank you again for listening to this episode. If you found value and enjoyed it, it would mean the world to me if you posted a screenshot to your social media. If you do, make sure you tag me so I can say thanks. Or if you're on iTunes, scrolling down and leaving a five-star review would be much appreciated. And if you ever want to get in touch with me, you can always find me on Instagram at LukeSmithRD. Thanks again for tuning in, and I hope you have an amazing rest of your day. I'll see you on the next episode.